Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters Podcast Season 3, Episode 15. Tegan, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing pretty good. Uh, it's been nice weather out. It's kind of cooled down a little bit, so it's been comfortable to be outside, so I'm really enjoying it. Absolutely, yeah. We've had some hot days there in the summer, but uh, kind of coming out of that here, and you know, hopefully uh, you have some good gameplay otherwise, uh, regardless. So welcome to today's podcast. As we mentioned last week, we're going to touch on uh, building, writing, creating adventures, one shots, uh, kind of a free form uh, conversation here between Tegan and I. But I think something that, uh, you know, I definitely have fun with that. I know Tegan, you do as well with with the stuff we put out for Patreons. And I think, uh, you know, hopefully we can just try and share some of the knowledge we have for any of you out there that are wanting to do the same. So before we get into that, announcements on our front end here. Uh, of course, check out DungeonJediMasters.com for access to all of our content. This podcast, of course, uh, links to our video content on YouTube where we have um, our actual plays, VODs, how-to videos on content within the system and otherwise. Um, our Twitter or Instagram, uh, ways to contact us there. We do have a web store if you want to get some Dungeon Jedi Masters merch. And then, of course, our Patreon. Patreon is the best way to support what we do. It helps us create this content, and there are some benefits uh, for that support. Uh, Tegan, we have a bunch of new Patreons as well that came along. Uh, we have Tier 1. Uh, Roberto, thank you. Uh, tell us about the Tier 2 members. Yeah, big shout out. It was a great week. So thank you all for the support. Um, we've got uh, for tier two, uh, an annual member, uh, MKL uh, JFXX. Uh, shout outs are coming through for us. Uh, also, we've got Key, uh, Sphere, Blue Collar, and Blue Collar Gamers. So we appreciate the support. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, four new members there in tier two. And then in tier three, we have three new members as well. Jess taking advantage of the annual discount there. And then Mitchell and Nanmi. Uh, so yeah, big, big new group of uh, members there. And to all of our Patreons, existing ones, thank you so much. Uh, we really appreciate that. Uh, and as I mentioned, with some of the with membership as a Patreon, you do get access to some exclusive content, uh, including monthly adventures, modules, and other things like that. And we do have some of that coming up. Uh, the next Patreon module at the beginning of next month, uh, early access on the 30th here in August, will be my um, kind of running the game series, uh, and this will be expanding encounters. So we're gonna dive into building encounters and, and expanding those outside of just putting a few monsters together and throwing it at your party. So keep an eye out for that. Of course, early access is for tier three members. And then that goes to everyone at tier two or three on the 6th of September. Uh, Tegan, also, we recently had a kind of like a monster build uh, influenced by one of our patron members. Tell us about that. 
Definitely. Uh, so it's been a while since I built a monster and a uh, shout out to uh, Ray Zombie on the thread. He was talking about one that he was building for, for his crew and I wanted to get my own villainous build on. So I put it out to our Patreons on Discord and picked one that I thought I'd have some fun with. And that's how we got the No Force Hunters. Uh, and basically they're a group uh, in uh, Big Dove's campaign, shout out to him, uh, that are kind of comprised of individuals who are uh, fed up with uh, the Jedi and Sith of the galaxy and dedicate themselves to hunting them down and they go through some augmentations to be able to fight the other force users and we built out three different blocks with that uh, to kind of have some fun with it so uh, if you are a patreon go check that out i had a lot of fun building these guys they're uh, made to be used together too so if you have a level five party and five members within it you could throw this at them it's a pretty good deadly encounter uh and just really depending on how much you play the tactics up or not uh, you could really have a fun fight in your hands so check them out uh, they're a blast to build uh, and i'll probably be doing some more of those in the future too yeah so if you have any other suggestions on things like that uh you know we're always open to that and uh you know that definitely helps with our own content generation so definitely reach out uh, one other thing I think I missed uh, as far as our content, uh, but we'll touch on it here because we do have some new things, is Twitch. Twitch is another place uh, for both Tegan and I, separate channels that we um, have other content, specifically Star Wars 5e actual plays. Uh, so Tegan, uh, tonight airing of this episode will be a new session of Invasion. Yeah, this will be, I think, session 13 or 14 of Invasion. Uh, and we're going to be wrapping up uh, Patreon Adventure 3, so kind of the, the, the mystery on Kashyyyk. Uh, so it's going to be a, it's going to be a good session, though. They, they've uh, they've had some good luck avoiding a lot of uh, the, the major combats, using some good stealth and diplomacy, but they're going to hit some of the, the big pieces here and figure out what uh, the Crusaders are doing on the planet. So come check it out uh, and see how they fare. Uh, and this will be on my uh, Twitch channel, Tegan J Gaming at Twitch. So come through, drop a follow if you haven't already. Uh, we have Star Wars Tuesdays with my invasion and then uh, Key Stranded campaign. So come through and have some. Awesome. Yeah, always a good time there. Uh, those are uh, 6.30 Eastern time, right? Oh, yep, uh, 6.30 Eastern time. Awesome. All right. Uh, I'm going to bring back some Star Wars 5e uh, into the bounce house over my channel. Uh, so I'm bringing back Hut Space Adventures. This will be Chapter 3 with a brand new crew heading into the scum and villainy of Hut Space. Uh, that will start September 7th on my channel, Todd Moonbounce, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern time. So Wednesdays in September for three episodes. So check that out as well. So lots of Star Wars content all uh you know, going into September uh, and existing for the rest of this month. So check that stuff out. I believe that's everything on our end. Uh, there are two new pieces of content for Star Wars 5e that we can get into as well. Uh, first up is a new species written by Huge Human. And uh, this is the Diathem. Uh, they are, they do have a, an appearance in the Clone Wars TV show. And I think one of the first mentions is uh, in passing in... Um, the episode one uh, is where they're first mentioned. Uh, but the diathem are a mysterious species of winged sentience uh, famed for their radiance and beauty, um, often make appearances as angelic figures in folklore of uh, many other species. They give off this aura of kindness consistently described as benevolent. And uh, they have commonly been seen gathering in flocks to welcome arriving ships. Knowledge of their habitat remains a mystery, though. The features for the diathem, uh, your, for your ability score increases, you have charisma increase of two and wisdom of one. So definitely a, a social a species there. 
for base uh, size and speed there, uh, creature type. Uh, so this they have a creature type, which is interesting, um, aberration and humanoid. Uh, the celestial physiology as a feature, you can survive for one day within the vacuum of space. Next feature, enthralling hypnosis. You can use your psychic aura to influence individuals of both sexes. Whenever you roll a one on a charisma check, a charisma persuasion check, you can re-roll the die and must use the new roll. Additionally, once per short or long rest, you can treat a d20 roll of nine or lower on a charisma check as a 10. This feature has no effect on droids or construct. Uh, they have flights because uh, they are a winged uh, species there. You have a flying speed equal to your walking speed. And while wearing medium or heavy armor, your flying speed is reduced by half. So little encumbrance there, keep in mind. And uh, another feature, fragile. Diathem are too weak to pack much of a punch. You have disadvantage on strength saving throws. And when determining your bonus to attack and damage rolls for weapon attacks using strength, you can't add more than plus three. And finally, uh, Luminescent Aura, starting at third level, you can use your action to amplify your Radiant Aura, causing a searing light to radiate out from you. This transformation lasts for one minute or until, the, uh, until you end it as a bonus action. During it, you shed bright light in a 10-foot radius and dim light for an additional 10 feet. And at the end of each of your turn, you and each creature within 10 feet of you take psychic damage equal to half your level rounded up. In addition, once on each of your turns, you can deal extra psychic damage to one target when you deal damage to it with an attack or a power. The extra psychic damage equals your level. So quite a feature there in that last one, the Luminescent Aura, but very cool. I think uh, definitely something um, that really captures the species there. So uh, pretty cool stuff there. Check that one out. Again, thanks to Huge Human for that. Uh, and Tegan, over to you for the other one. Uh, we have a new archetype for the Berserker, I believe it was. Yeah, so this is a new Berserker archetype. Uh, this one's pretty sick. It's the champion approach. Uh, and basically what this one's whole theme is, is if you wanted to uh, have a battle mat or a tactician maneuvers or the fighters maneuvers, but still play uh, a Berserker, this is the way to go. Uh, with this, at level three, you gain access to maneuvers. Uh, you get the same kind of sliding scale progression with the D4, the, the dice die for your superiority. Uh, starts off with a D4 as you go, but each time you gain a bump in your proficiency, it goes up uh, and goes all the way up to a D12 uh, once you hit level 17. So cool on that side, you get to go through, uh, you pick uh, two maneuvers known at level three, uh, and you get to kind of continually adding those through as you level up and gain uh, new, uh, new things you can do on the battlefield. Uh, the other thing you get to at level three for this uh, is the reckless maneuvers, which uh, whenever you do like reckless attack or uh, have advantage, uh, you will have advantage on rolling your superiority die for the damage too. Uh, so just really your superiority die for whether it be the damage or whatever you're adding it to with your maneuver. So a really cool way there just to really maximize that out and get that real reckless feel in there too. Uh, the other really cool thing they get is at level six. Uh, so one of the biggest things for overcoming a berserker or barbarian for whatever system you're playing is to uh, charm them or even frighten them, uh, turn them against the party. With this, the thrall ability at level six, you're going to have an advantage on charisma or saving throws to avoid being charmed or frightened. Uh, so pretty sweet on that side, gives you a little bit of extra edge in case somebody tries to uh, use the force to dominate you. Uh, you can try to ward that off uh, and keep your berserker in the fight a little bit longer. 
but outside of that, this is a really solid build. If you wanted to have some more options with your Berserker class, uh, or if you're torn between being a tactician fighter or a fighter in general or Berserker, this can be kind of a way to have best of both worlds. Very cool. Another great addition uh, to that class. So check both of those new uh, pieces of content there out uh, on the website uh, if they've gotten there. Uh, definitely on the subreddit um, to check out at least there. So I believe that's everything on the front end. We can dive into our episode proper. So Tegan, we said that we're going to talk about uh, building an adventure, writing an adventure, one shot, etc. Um, and, and basically just offer up you know, the experiences we've had with that and, and you know, kind of how to approach that. Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, I, I think there's things you'll borrow from writing a story, writing a book, a movie, et cetera. But of course, because as you know, the players are, have such a big part in what that story is, you know, you can't do everything like that and, and the way it's generated or whatnot. So Let's start with uh, let's start with like an adventure, um, and we'll touch on a one shot later as well, because I think there's a little bit different um, approach to that. But uh, anything like looking at, uh, so we'll look at invasion. Uh, you know, you you're the the author for invasion uh, this year. Uh, last year with Alderaan, we'll touch on that one as well. We kind of went back and forth. But what what has been your approach? What has been your thought process and things like that when you with that or with anything that you put together? Is there at least like the highest level? Oh, definitely. Uh, so with that, kind of the way I do it, so I kind of start finding for finding pieces of inspiration to go through kind of what I want to do with the story. And uh, luckily with uh, Invasion, while it's kind of completely separate from the New Jedi Order, and the New Jedi Order books deal a lot with uh, the Yuuzhan Vong. So kind of get a little bit of inspiration on them is where I started with before I started even going through the, the campaign and kind of what I wanted to plan for it. Uh, so in kind of in the, the hard part, so with building out an adventure, and this is probably my biggest piece of advice for any DM, a new DM that wants to kind of write their own adventure, don't write out the whole thing right away or don't kind of map it out all the way. Uh, at least that's what, one thing I don't like to do. Uh, I always like to kind of see what the players are going to do, kind of what they focus on, uh, what they want to go after. Uh, so with Invasion, like I know the way I kind of do it to keep a consistent story is I know what my villains are going to do. Uh, I know what they, if the players just decided, hey, I'm going to sit in a cantina all day, I know what they would do, kind of each step of the villain's plans. But even with knowing what the villains would do, that's going to change when the players get start interacting and start going off on their own adventures and hijinks. Uh, and then I like to kind of plan. So kind of make my first plan, see what they do, reevaluate, they kind of come back. And that's how I've been doing the invasion campaign and kind of seeing what they do, what choices they make, and then kind of going back and writing and kind of making the next uh, leg of their adventure. Awesome. Yeah. So I talked about that in, um, I forget which module it was this year for Patreon, um, but basically you know, the world continues, you know, the clock continues to run. So all the people in the world are going to be doing what they want to do, regardless of what the players do. And, you know, so so the, the enemies, uh, the antagonists, anybody in the world, they do have their goals and they're going to go after them, you know, in whatever way they do. So, yeah, I think that's a great way. So um, I want to touch on... I, I think because of the unique situation here is you are playing invasion. So you're kind of playing it and running it together. Has that had a lot of influence in run, uh, writing it? Um, Cause I want to get to a point where we talk about if, if somebody wanted to write an adventure to, to for then somebody else to um, utilize. And I guess maybe Alderaan's a little bit better of an example to go with that, but um, you know, touching on invasion in that regard. 
Oh yeah, it's been so good. So good and bad. Also, there's good and bad aspects of both. Uh, the, only, the only bad piece about it is just timing uh, with uh, the Patreon adventures. And I wish I made uh, Invasion a weekly campaign. Like now, seeing how it plays out, so I can get to get ahead a little bit. Uh, but uh, the timing is the only bad part about it. The, the great things about it uh, are that it allows. Because I think it, because I I think about it because with, usually in the past week, like with Alderaan, it's been kind of something completely separate. We may run adventures using it, but not something that we're running an actual campaign with. Uh, so with Invasion being kind of a campaign I'm running as well as writing, I, I put more focus and time thought into it, which has been kind of cool for both ends because uh, I have a more fleshed out adventure that I usually do when I'm running for uh, my table, which is because usually like a little more impromptu, a little bit more improv, but it's been cool for certain mechanics and pieces like kind of clearly have an idea for before kind of coming up to the table, which has been really cool. Uh, but also to just uh, it allows to put like, I think it gives more of a perspective too for writing for other people when I have exactly thinking it for myself. So I can give some more descriptions and more pieces like that, more lore they can take away uh, and use at the table. Or at least I'm hoping that's what the, they're getting from it. Right. Yeah, definitely. So with invasion, uh, and you, you did touch on this, but when you, when you kind of map this out, you know, as you said, if the players don't do anything, you, you have somewhat of an end point, I guess is what I'm getting at. Right. Oh, definitely. In mind. Yeah, sweet. So with uh, so basically, there'll be two kind of endpoints with it. And so there's gonna be an endpoint. There's gonna be a big piece uh, which is gonna happen this year, which will end the overall Patreon invasion campaign, uh, which will be kind of a big piece for the players too. And the campaign is gonna be it's almost gonna be like a part two for the campaign, which will shift a little bit for the the actual my 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 playing campaign versus the the one that we're doing for everybody uh so that one's kind of already mapped out i know exactly how that's forces or mostly how that's going to go depending on what the players do uh and then afterwards it's gonna be a little bit more of a uh, kind of more of the the, the Iliad versus the Odyssey portion. So I want to have more kind of a deep war portion, which we probably won't do for the Patreon piece, but I know how that's going to go. So I've got the, kind of those two endpoints mapped out as just kind of going towards uh and figure out which direction the players go towards it. Right, definitely. Um, so how do we look at that when um you know you look at all the you look at modules that are out there um looking at at uh you know minds of fandelver with with 5e like the classic starter you know edition thing right like so you sit down you've got this booklet and you read through page you know front to back and it tells you this adventure to run um you know personally like like i think uh especially with the plot point campaign that we did with alderaan i think the, the concept was there like while we did create those modules and they were somewhat defined you can play them in any order, um, you know, but any additional thoughts on, you know, if you're going to sit down and write out invasion, you weren't running it as a campaign and you just said, all right, beginning to end, how would you approach that process to write out six sections of, of this adventure? That would be slightly harder on that side because I, I like getting that player interaction, kind of see what they want to go after. But even without that, you just have to kind of go through and figure out what are the core pieces of the story you want to tell? Kind of what are the, the big points you want to have? And then kind of break those out into an adventure. So uh, the intro session where they kind of get introduced to the Yuzan Vong, it kind of, that would be pretty, pretty similar, even if I was writing that out all at once. Uh, but then the nice thing, if you do kind of write it out all at once too, is you get a little bit better at being able to see different things throughout. Uh, especially if you're kind of gives different more callbacks and things like that. You can kind of just do all at once and put it out there and kind of make sure everything's a, kind of a good streamlined piece. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think this is a good time to maybe introduce uh, something I, I wanted to look up. I mentioned, so there's, there's um, elements, five elements to plot 
uh, and plots of uh, of story, and um, you know that that are basically you can be found in, in pretty much uh, most media out there, books, movies, etc. Um, and I think you, we probably won't touch on all of these, or you won't touch on all of these, you know, you as, as a table because of the nature of, of tabletops and the collaborative storytelling. But those five elements are the exposition or introduction, then you have your rising action, uh, then the climax or turning point, then you have a falling action, and then the resolution uh, didn't denouement at the end there. And um, I think like you can utilize something like that when you're writing an adventure, one shot, etc, as a loose guideline, uh, you know, so obviously that introduction thing, uh, what brings in the players. So Tegan, you said for you, the Yuzang Bon come that's, it's kind of like setting up the introduction, setting the scene. Uh, so set that scene for there. And then you have that rising action. Um, you know, maybe even before the Yuzang Bon come, it would be setting up the normal is that introduction and then the rising action is the Vong coming, right? Um, this is what's going on. The primary conflict is building. And then you have that climax turning point where now, okay, they are invading and, and it's enough to a point where it's a problem and the players have to do something. And what the players do is that climax turning point. How is it going to resolve things like that? And then the last two things with the falling action and resolution, that's kind of what what's up to the players i think for a lot of it so you know those first three things you can you can at least kind of plan out and then the rest of it ends up at the, you know happens at the table definitely yeah. so uh kind of giving that player agency on that so you can kind of give them the the stakes especially said the scenes like hugely important and, and as you got to mention you got to let them know what what's going on before the conflict happens it lets the players kind of know it helps set the stakes of the conflict a little bit better too, but also kind of gives them a good kind of frame of reference. So yeah, with uh, the invasion campaign of the galaxy was at war before the invaders between the, what other factions would I have? I had the Sith Dominion and the Republic. Uh, so the huge big thing that's going on, it kind of sets the stakes there. Then the Vong come and then the players have to decide are we getting involved or how, and then how are we going to get involved too? And then you get to more of it after you kind of hit that big choice point as you said more of it is kind of on the players and kind of how they they go about the story and kind of it's, it's in their hands at that point absolutely yeah yep and and that of course isn't uh i mean you're still going to do things mostly in that order with like setting the thing, scenes and whatnot but you could certainly and this we'll touch on this a little bit when we get into more one shots so i think this is where you could find that more but uh you know start that session off with a bang you're in combat like boom roll initiative kind of a thing and and uh, you're right there in that uh, that action, that climax potentially, uh, probably not climax at that point, but you're in, you know, it's rising action um, because you're in that, uh, you know, in that encounter. Um, maybe actually even the encounter is setting the scene, you know, backing up even one more. You're setting the scene that you're in combat. This is how things start off. Why? Wh where does that come from? So um, certainly ways to utilize that. Uh, Tegan, you mentioned earlier inspiration, and we've talked about this a few times before as well. Um, I, I think we've done like a, we might have actually done a whole topic on this, but inspiration for adventures. Um, you know, I think that's probably one place that you would start. Where does the inspiration come from? Whether it's a story like you kind of did with New Jedi Order, or even other media, um, using other media, movies, books, etc., to kind of help with those plots that you want to outline. 
Definitely. And it's, it's pretty like if, if you find something that you enjoyed a lot of times, especially if you, and I think the biggest piece as a DM is if you find something that you enjoy, it's kind of twisting it. Like, because if you're excited about that, you can bring that excitement to the table and then just kind of twist it and make it sort of fits tabletop and fits like the narrative that, or, or the style of game that you're playing. Uh, so just find, yeah, find something that excites you, uh, see kind of the overall structure of that story uh, and see how to quickly break that into things that would be interesting at tabletop and giving uh, different kind of decisions, points, conflicts for your players to kind of go through. But the excitement to me at least is key because if, if I'm not, I've tried to write work for stories and bitches that I've been excited about, it's like, it's hard to do, but if you're excited, you get, you get kind of, you, it's easier to write and it's easier to get in front of your table and get them excited too. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, it charges you up for that. There's been a couple things um, for other systems that I've used, but I used a, a Netflix series uh, that was a massive, almost direct inspiration for a game. And then I've got a board game from my childhood that I'm going to utilize for something else coming up. Um, you know, things like that, like go out and, you know, do you have a favorite Disney movie? Uh, you know, see how you could utilize the, the basic plot elements in those movies for an adventure. You know, it's, it's, it's that easy to be able to pull stuff, uh, from wherever and it doesn't have to directly relate, right? Like you don't have to stick to only sci-fi or star wars related media it can be anything um and and once you once you recognize the basics of a story there then i think it helps a lot with writing those adventures 100 and the nice thing too is like especially one thing i have fun with is kind of making it a what if two of that story like what if they were a different element was changed you can kind of do that pretty easily with tabletop uh especially like with sometimes like there's elements of a story you may like but there's a piece that you think that's just silly uh you could twist that you can kind of make it your own uh and kind of tell a different like a completely different story just by tweaking a couple different factors uh especially as you bring it to the table Absolutely. Uh, I want to mention a book. I'm pretty sure this is the one. It's called Building a Story Brand. Clarify your message so customers will listen. So it definitely it related to uh, marketing and, and uh, business, things like that. But uh, it goes through and talks about basically the parts of a story. Um, and it's kind of one of those things like you read it and it almost ruins any other movie going forward because you figure out like you can tell what's going to happen in the movie, right? Like uh, things where you have your you have your main character and then um, they run into a problem and then there's going to be somebody that helps them and then you have the antagonists and, and that as uh, those elements things like that and then like once it's spelled out for you it's so obvious right so like Luke Ben is the person that kind of helps him uh, or Han can be one of those people that helps and and then you know it's just so funny how obvious that stuff uh, kind of comes out. Um, but that, you know, I think that could be a good resource uh, for anyone out there, because um, I think despite it being marketing and business related, I think there's elements in there that can help. Uh, one other one I want to touch on or mention is uh, Hamlet's Hit Points. Uh, it's called Great uh, Book there as well. And this one goes over, um, it's called Hamlet's Hit Points because it goes over um, Hamlet, the story Hamlet, as well as two other um, kind of older, the, the examples are a little dated, but it basically goes through you know, the ups and downs, the timeline of the story um, and defines what those are, these these hit points throughout the story that it's it's uh, touching on. And another thing that I think can help when you write these adventures. So 100 percent. I have I, I want to check out that book. I haven't read the brand one. One thing I, I definitely recommend checking out if you haven't is the steps of a, the hero's journey steps, uh, which kind of goes along with that, too. Uh, it's amazing especially read the hero's journey steps and if you ever get a chance if you haven't read it before uh read the iliad and the odyssey uh the 
really, uh, written by Homer, ancient Greek, still holds up really well, uh, especially after reading, because he's kind of the guy that established those heroes' journey steps. And it's just really, it's kind of a really good way to kind of look at stories and look at those pieces too. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else, Tegan? I want to switch over to one shots because I think that's its own little conversation there. But anything else on writing adventures, building adventures as a whole? Two things I'll say on that side. The one thing, especially in, so if you're building an adventure for yourself or kind of just for your own use for your table, uh, it's definitely a lot, not easier, but it's easy. Just keep it simple, I'll say. Uh, don't overwrite, don't overcomplicate it. Uh, take the notes that you need to kind of refresh your mind and make sure you can kind of keep your own target on track uh because there's a lot a lot of new dms like have binders and binders full of stuff myself included uh and a lot of it it's not i won't say wasted effort but it's it's definitely effort that could be better utilized uh so just take it up so you know where your story is going what plot points you need to have kind of where you want all the different pieces to be but don't overcomplicate it don't overwrite uh save yourself some time there now, if you are writing, unfortunately, for somebody else, that is where you kind of have to go and write uh, quite a bit more because it's it's easy for your own brain to kind of make those connections. But if you're writing for somebody else, you've got to. I, I struggled on the last adventure with the uh, was it treachery? Yeah, the last Patreon adventure treachery because uh, it's what I knew exactly how I wanted to run it, but I had to write so much more to make it so it'd be easy for somebody else to pick it up and go with it with their story too. So it's really one of those ones that takes it's an art form to get used to writing for somebody else because if you write for yourself, your brain will make a connection for other people you have to really make sure it's laid out clear i think that's a great point i was, I was going to touch on that is if you're just creating adventures for your own table you know you, you kind of just do a little bit of that front end work and then the table tells the rest of the story right mm -hmm. but if you do want to outline a full adventure to hand off to somebody you know as as like a pre-written module of course you need to figure that out you need to make sure you're not over detailed under detailed you know a lot of nuances there um for sure so uh, let's talk about one shots um, as well, because I think one shots are 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 definitely there's definitely like a fine touch to them to to running a one shot. So I'm going to approach this conversation with one shots being three hours long. Um, you know, they could be shorter, they could be longer. You know, I've heard of people playing all day and and things like that. But uh, you know, I think like three hours is is that good chunk of time for a one shot. Uh, I think when we do a lot of our adventures and things, Tegan. You know, I think that kind of falls in that realm, like probably is going to take you about three-ish hours to to run through this this thing there. So I've done a lot of one-shots. I, I used to run a lot of them for Dungeon Jedi Masters before, and, and it definitely, like in the beginning, it was tough to manage that pace. I think pacing is one of the big things um, for for running a one-shot, not even writing a one-shot, but like running it and, and knowing, especially when you have that time slot, what do we have time for? How do you, as a GM, kind of keep things moving and, and whatnot? And, and what can you include? Um, I think, you know, especially in 5e-based combat, uh, depending on the sizes of that, you could maybe get two decent combats in, maybe, um, depending on how they are. So right there, you've got a couple things that uh, you, you'd plan out. And then from there, what's the rest of it? You know, social encounters, uh, just general RP, depending on your group, things like that. Any initial thoughts uh, as we dive into this uh, on how you approach one shots, Tegan? Definitely, yeah. So usually, uh, depending on the group, yeah, try to. I usually try to work around the combat. Usually, I do one combat for a one shot of about three hours because depending on how, depending on the group, uh, usually a lot of my one shots aren't my usual players. Uh, but if it's my usual players, I can kind of keep it quick uh, and go through. I can sometimes you can fit in two, but if you're playing with people that are not used to the system or just not used to kind of the overall 
flow of your gaming style. Uh, it can take a long time. So I usually have like one big fight in there. Uh, and then just try to fit in as much of like the, the social pieces up front and then kind of uh, the, so usually I kind of struggle with the social pieces in the beginning, kind of figuring out what's going on there and kind of figuring out their plan and then kind of going through a bit of problem solving and throw something at them that forces them to think. And then probably the big fight at the end is how I've typically structured it. Uh, but sometimes timing is usually uh, an issue for me, especially with the writing for those ones. A lot of my one shots end up taking longer when I actually play them out versus when I wrote them. So I'd love to hear kind of some of your tips on the timing piece. I think it's just something that's come with experience. You know, most I've, I've done a few two hour sessions um, when I ran Tempest Feud module for Star Wars uh, D20 system. We did bi-weekly games four hours each. Uh, so I, I did four hours because I wanted that little extra time doing bi-weekly. Um, and sometimes that I sometimes I struggled to have content. I felt like, you know, we were struggling to get content in. But again, that was a pre-written as well. So, but anyway, it, you know, looking at one shots, you know, three hours for me. Again, that one, maybe two combats in there, and just writing. It's tough to say. Like it's just something that's just. I've just learned, I've, I've felt it out. I think that's really, you know, one of the biggest things is, is you just have to learn, learn that pace and, and, uh, you know, keep an eye on the clock and knowing where you are in the story. Uh, there's plenty of times where I've cut things out. I think that's, you know, if you're writing, if you're writing an, an adventure here, you know, that's the topic at hand. I think you should write that and, and write it loose enough that GMs can cut, right? Like don't put, don't have everything in your module have to happen. I think that's probably one of the big things is, you know, I, I just ran an adventure or something else recently and I cut out a big chunk of it because time, it, it wasn't important. It was really just, uh, it, it would have been a fun part, but it wasn't necessary to the story moving forward. So um, that would be one one big piece I would I would bring up and mention is is that making sure that kind of chunks aren't super important so that there's there is content there, but it can be uh, taken out if needed. Yeah. And looking back at like the five elements of, of plots, you know, I really, those main ones, like your introduction, you know, set the scene of, of what this adventure is about. Generally it's like an introduction scene with the players. Why are they all together? Uh, then you have that rising action. What is the primary conflict they're going against? Uh, and then that climax turning point, that's generally the, the big combat there, um, at the end. Yeah. That's, a pretty good formula for that. And it will depend on your players. You can, of course, uh, move that around. As I mentioned, I think one shots are a great opportunity to do a combat right at the get go, you know, throw everyone into the action. And, and then from there, it's, it's either continuing to figure that out or figuring out why the combat was there and or recovering from it, things like that, too. So I've done that before too. Kind of a quick combat, one that you know can go like two or three rounds at most. Uh, that way, you kind of keep it, get them, get them engaged really quick. Uh, they kind of keep everything moving on that side. But yeah, I definitely agree with your point though about cutting content, especially if I run a pre-written or even when I've written myself one shot. Uh, I usually want to be like, going, okay, that's, uh, that's we're not going to have time for that. Let's cut that out. Let's push them over here. And uh, and definitely one for for writing and running one shots. It's it, it's railroaded. Don't be afraid of railroading in a one shot. It's uh, especially because a lot of times too, like uh, so you have players who like to get some great RPM and ham it up. But with the one shots, timing is like with the campaign, you can like just add more sessions on the back end. But the one shot, sometimes you have to kind of make orcs attack or make something that pushes it along and keeps that story moving. Yeah, and just to you know clarify that railroading to an extent is fine. It's more about 
a, a distinction between railroading and taking away player agency. I think that's always like the big argument on that point. You know, that's a whole nother topic. But, you know, one shots are often railroady because you are taking them in a certain direction, um, nudging them how they get there, uh, but just not taking away their agency there. So keep that in mind. But yeah, I, you know, one shots in general, it's just, it's of course going to depend on your party makeup, um, you know, the, the time slot you have, things like that. But if you're writing one out, I think generally you're going to have about three main, you know, elements, uh, situations. We talked about that a little bit ago, like, like prep these situations in the module and say, these are the situations happening. And then you let the players react to those and, and how does that play out? So, um, you know, as opposed to, you know, you can still write like a specific plot A to B, but uh, I think if you write those situations, um, then you just have those and you know, then you can adapt to it. I think it's the, the way to put it. You know, I I think we can start wrapping up there, you know, lots of good stuff uh, on the topic, you know, probably plenty other we can, we can d dive into. Any other last thoughts though on writing an adventure or otherwise? Uh, one of the, in the one of the biggest pieces I'll, I'll say, if you ever try to write an adventure, either whether it be for yourself or someone else, just get it out there. Just start writing. Uh, don't edit after you write, because uh, a lot of times, it, especially I, I didn't follow my own rule with the last adventure. And I kept editing as I was writing and it took forever and it was this annoying process. But if you just go through, put out your ideas, you can kind of go back a lot easier and just edit from once everything's done versus just kind of like stressing yourself out, trying to get everything perfect when you're writing it out. Yeah, I've done that a lot where you you do write all that and you get to the end, you're like, oh wait, I want to change something. So like that editing could be wasted because you might completely scrap something or, or switch things up. So I think, yeah, getting out that basic storyline or whatever, get it down on paper and then go from there. Absolutely. So yeah, well, we hope that this was a helpful conversation to anyone out there running a game or looking to write something. Uh, if you have any thoughts on the topic yourself, please let us know. Please share some of the adventures that you have put together, you have written, uh, and how those uh, have gone in, in your process doing that. So uh, as always, uh, thank you to all of our listeners and followers and subscribers. We appreciate it very much. We will be back uh, extra week in here in the month, so we'll be back after this episode, uh, three weeks on the 6th of September with a new DM spotlight. So come back uh, to hear from another member of our community for that episode. And with that, we'll see you on the next one. May the force be with you. May the force be with you.